Hey, and welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio, and today we're going to kick off a new short series based on the art of thinking brilliantly. It's a mega popular conference that Graham did some years ago. It's one of my personal favorites, and it's featured on both Brilliant TV and on our store at brilliantbookhouse.com. We're going to specifically focus on the section called Reframing. It's three episodes that make this up. So over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into that. And I'm going to bring some key truths, some takeaways, and some implications of these things in our life, which is not only going to bless you from the content of these three things, but also help further develop your ability to identify exactly what the Holy Spirit is highlighting for you in a teaching or a revelation, and also how to take that and apply it to your own journey and assimilate it into your walk with Jesus. This is actually part of what we featured in our last live event for impartation, which was myself, Teresa Cook, Graham's wife, and Jenny Taylor. We went through a small portion of something Graham did in The Art of Thinking Brilliantly. So this, some of this may be familiar to you. Also, we're going to be doing another live event for impartation this January on the 21st. That's going to be from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. Again, that's January 21st, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. You'll definitely want to join that. It's going to be a free event. There's going to be great content, good interaction. You're going to love that. So I will put a link for that in the bottom of the description for this episode, as well as a link to The Art of Thinking Brilliantly on Brilliant TV and our store. Let's dive into this teaching Part one of reframing. I hope you enjoy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. What a great day. Holy Spirit, we absolutely love you. I love the way that you adore Jesus, the way that you're so faithfully committed to taking everything that belongs to him and showing it and giving it and disclosing it to us and empowering us to step into it, embrace it, and become it. I love your reverence for the Father and for heaven and for bringing heaven into the earth so that we may taste the powers of the age to come. I love your work in the body of Christ. I love your work in the world. We realize that you're doing so much more behind our backs than you are in front of our face. (laughs) And, And we just want to catch up with you. And thank you that you are committed to each one of us really being set free and being on track in our own time and timing with the purposes of God. You're so welcome here. Please come, have free reign to do what you do best, to stimulate, to inspire, to lift up Jesus in our estimation, and to make us aware of our identity in the Christ. For his sake, amen. So I'm going to read the Bible, okay? I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 10 uh, and verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations, and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. What that means is your obedience uh, makes you ready to get revenge on the enemy. Yeah? You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. <clears throat> the way we think rules our life. Our mindset is either a fortress for the enemy or it's a temple for the living God. A fortress is built to keep something out. A temple is built to invite someone in. The Holy Spirit is destroying speculations, theories, surmisings, guesses, pulling down any way of thinking that is against the true knowledge of who God is for us. And He is empowering us into a way of thinking that generates the power of obedience. Speculation looks at things outwardly. In other words, in the way that it may affect us. Speculation affects our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. And it can generate thinking and emotions that put us on the floor and leave us with a substandard experience of who God is for us. The Holy Spirit restores our confidence in Christ so that as we consider the issues from within, through the inner man of the Spirit, we are elevated to the level that God wants us to live on. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, remodeling. Because I do that, that's what I believe God is doing with us. He's remodeling our lives, He's renovating us, He's restoring us, He's rebuilding us, He's renewing us, He's restoring our thinking as a prime piece of our spiritual walk. You know, stress is always an inside job. Stress is not caused by externals. You can't say, well, this is really stressing me out. This person is really stressing me out. Stress is not caused by an external thing. It's caused by the way that you perceive it. It's caused by the way that you think of it. Because that's, that's the door you open to it or not. Yeah? Our old nature is a product of our place in the world. Therefore, it's subject to intense negativity, fears, anxiety, irrationality, believing the worst. We speculate negatively. And we have, in the world, we've grown up with a strong attachment to doubt, to pessimism, and to unbelief. 
If those are the things that you're always fighting off, what that's doing is it's highlighting that you have an attachment to those things. In the spirit realm, we don't get rid of a negative by focusing on it. We get rid of a negative by focusing on its replacement. What is God doing? He never asks you to focus on a negative. He always tells you who you are. He always tells you, this is what I'm doing. And when we focus on our own identity, we focus on what God is doing, <clears throat> the negative is dealt with as a consequence, yeah? Not as an act in itself. When we focus on doubt, pessimism, unbelief, then stress is often the result of those things. But our new nature is a product of heaven. It's the way God thinks about us in Christ. He has no bad thought towards us because He sees us in the lens of Jesus Christ. Why do you think God put you into Christ in the first place? It's so that he'd always have something that he could smile at. He puts you into Christ. In him you live and move and have your being. So one of the good news about the father is he's totally not schizophrenic. He puts you into Christ so he could approve of you. He could accept you. He could receive you. He could bless you. He could increase you. He could advance you. He could upgrade your life and walk in the Beloved. He has no bad thought towards us, only a desire to see us conform to the image of Jesus. He's not ashamed uh, uh, to call us brethren. He's not angry with us because he got angry with Jesus. Question is, you know, was Jesus punished enough for sin? It's not a trick question. It's a vital one, though. Was Jesus judged enough for sin? Did the Father pour out every last ounce of wrath and anger and indignation upon Jesus? So he hasn't got any left then. This is the good news. He doesn't have any left then. Because if the Father has any capacity to be angry in this life, then the cross of Jesus is not worth anything. We can't afford to be schizophrenic about the gospel. It's either the most powerful, astonishing, amazing, incredible good news ever, or it's a lie. It, is, it really either it is glad tidings of great joy, or it's just another con. You can't have a loving God who's always angry at stuff that we do. It doesn't compute. Yeah? God is not disillusioned with you. Because <laughs> he never had any illusions in the first place. <laughs> he knows exactly who you are. You haven't disappointed him. You haven't upset him. Because he's made of stronger stuff. Yeah? The very idea that we could disillusion God... It's just too funny for words. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. All confrontations between the flesh and the spirit are a source of joy to the Father. 
Why? Because He loves being your deliverer. He is deliberately and with great pleasure going to make war on your flesh. Like bonus. <laughs> Let me say that again. All confrontations between the flesh and the spirit are a source of joy to the Father because He loves being your deliverer. So He's going to go up against your flesh not to condemn you about anything, but to release you from the tyranny of it. Yeah? He loves to make war on those things. He's passionate about your freedom. <clears throat> so the whole idea of remodeling comes from the identity statement of Jesus in Isaiah 61, first seven verses, when he talks about that he's anointed by God to bring the good news and to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty and freedom to captives. And in that passage, it uses the key word instead five times, that God will give you a garland instead of ashes, that he'll give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning, that he would give you the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, what we call depression these days, that he would give you the joy instead of humiliation. And that he would give you a double blessing instead of shame. Everything, everything, everything that God is doing in your life is about your freedom. It's about your release. It's about your upgrade. It's about your blessing. There's never going to be a situation that is not about your freedom. So the word instead, it means in place of, as an alternative to, in preference to this, God wants to give you something else instead. So the consequence of that action, that anointing in your life, is that the waste places in your life get rebuilt. You get repaired. You get restored. Remodeling is a way of thinking that repairs and rebuilds our perceptions of something so that we are empowered to be restored by God in His fullness. Remodeling helps people to reinterpret problems and find solutions by changing our frame of reference in which the problem is first perceived. Remodeling is part of renewing the mind. It's a transformational exercise that engages us with the mind of Christ. It's changing our mindset from the old self to the new self so that our experience of God can become more rich and more powerful. Remodeling is about being renewed in the spirit of your perception so that God can really transform your life. When we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, something must shift in the way in which we view ourselves. I was talking to a guy in Chicago uh, last year, and, and um, in the conversation, he just said, you know, I hate myself. I can't think of anything good about myself. So I kind of looked at him and I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, um, which self is doing the talking? He said, what do you mean? 
I said, well, you just said you hate yourself. You can't think of anything good about yourself. Which self is doing the talking? That doesn't sound like your new self. That sounds like your old self. Which self is doing the talking? What are we listening to? Which self is doing the talking here? We have an old self and a new self. The new self is renewed in knowledge. It's renewed in the knowledge of Jesus and who he is for you. Only the old self would use the word hate and be incapable of seeing goodness. So I said, dude, you're listening to the wrong voice. And he got it. And he said, well, so what do I do about that voice then? I said, you ignore it. Unless you've got a hobby of sitting in churchyards listening to corpses. Because it's just about as dumb as that. It's a dead voice. It comes out of your past, but it's a dead voice. It belongs to a corpse. You don't do anything about it. You ignore it. You don't engage with it. You don't enter into a debate with it. It belongs to a dead person. (laughs) You don't deal with an old voice. You practice listening to the new voice. Our new nature has a voice that causes us to rejoice, to give thanks, and to discover the heart and affection of God for each one of us. The voice of our inner man sounds like the Holy Spirit. You know, Scripture provides us with His voice indicators. In Galatians 5, 22, 23, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The voice of God is loving, it's joyous, it's peaceful, it's so patient, full of kindness, edifying in its goodness, extremely faithful to our identity in Jesus, and it's full of gentleness. That's the voice that you should be listening to. And all those aspects of that voice, they all empower us to live in self-control where we partner with the new self against the old self. Our new nature with its new voice, takes control over the old self and the stress that it provokes. There is only one voice to hear, and it's the voice that makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you feel good to be alive in Jesus. All right, let's go through a few keys together here before we wrap. It's very helpful to identify key truths as you're listening to things like this, paying attention to what the Holy Spirit highlights. And this way you can settle into what God is showing you, making it a place that you inhabit with Him, learn with Him, and thus see the transformation and renewal of your thinking, which of course leads to a changed life. I'm going to highlight just five key truths along with some of their implications. One of the first things Graham says in this teaching is, quoting 2 Corinthians, that we're destroying speculations which set themselves up against the true knowledge of God. So a question to ask ourselves at the outset 
is how often do speculations occur in our lives, in our thoughts about ourselves, about our circumstances? The definition of speculation is the forming of a theory or a conjecture without actually having firm evidence. So our key here is to work with the Holy Spirit, to discern and identify false beliefs and speculations, and then let truth and our heavenly reality displace them. This is part of reframing. An implication to understand with this is that it's a divinely empowered process. As mentioned in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, so we don't do it on our own. It's not us trying to get to God. This stuff is only doable in the context of our relationship with God. And it's his commitment to us and his way with us that causes us to learn and grow into it. So opportunity to dive deeper into your rich fellowship with him. Another thing Graham said is that the way we think rules our life and our mindset is either a fortress for the enemy or a temple for the living God. So your mindset is an important battleground and one in which your true power is that Christ is on your side, always leading you in triumph. Key number two, you are no longer in your old nature. Therefore, you are no longer subject to its way of feeling, thinking, or experiencing things. The implication here is that in your new nature, beloved, you have full permission to experience and indulge in possibilities that before seemed impossible and in divine opportunities that represent the opposite of whatever negative you face. In the spirit realm, as Graham said, we don't get rid of the negative by focusing on it. We get rid of it by focusing on its replacement. Remember that displacement reality I just described in key one. Key number three is that stress, and by implication, any negative mindset or internal state is not caused by any external thing. It's caused by the way we perceive it. Therefore, our mindset and our way of thinking and seeing God is actually the filter that determines if we'll be disempowered by the negative information coming in or if we will see the resident potential and promise in the issue. Key number four. Because all confrontations between our flesh and our spirit are a source of joy to the Father, it stands to reason that there's a pristine place of joy for us to enter into as well and live in with Him while we're in this process. Consequently, we can enjoy our life richly, beloved. In times where we previously would have been dismayed, discouraged, or depressed about our struggles. When's the last time you went through something difficult, challenging, something that hit that negative button <laughs> in your mind, but you were able to enjoy your life richly? It's a great question to ask because Jesus has beautifully made this available through everything he's done. And it's something he so wants you and I to enter into. Also, we get to enter into the Father's confident expectation of our outcome and into his joyous outlook. The divine partnership here really is lovely. And finally, a fifth key, you don't deal with an old voice, you practice listening to the new one. The old voice is the accusations and the beliefs of your old man, whereas the new voice is from the new man, which is the Holy Spirit within, as Graham said. This engenders both a sanctioning and an invitation. It's a sanctioning to fully eschew the old and discontinue any acknowledgement of it. 
And it's an invitation to step into an entirely new space that is attached to your born-again self where all things have been made new, according to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and which is linked to your 1 Peter 1 reality of being given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. Beloved, this new life and living hope is waiting to be explored and is more wonderful than we've yet thought, asked, or imagined. All right, thanks for tuning in. Join me again next week for the next installment of Reframing from the Art of Thinking Brilliantly. And don't forget to join us on January 21st at 10 a.m. Pacific time for our next live impartation event. Have a blessed and glorious week in Jesus, and I'll catch you soon.